Hello, everybody. Simone here from the Polygon Show. We're still on hiatus, and I hope you're enjoying our reruns of some of our favorite History of Fun episodes. Uh, this is a show that ran for a while. Uh, long, cool episodes about the history of things that are fun and themed. That's a dumb way to ex- describe a good show. But listen, they've done <laughs> episodes on all kinds of things. And this one is about GoldenEye, the uh, legendary James Bond game that I never got a chance to play because, as everyone knows, I was not allowed to have consoles as a kid, much less consoles that had guns on them. What? No, it was simply not possible. But hey, for all of you out there who, like me, were not allowed to do fun things as a kid, that's what the history of fun is for. So let's get in this episode together and learn a bit about Goldeneye. Hello and welcome to the History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do. My name is Russ Frushik, and I am joined by Chris Plant. Hello, Chris. Hello. And Allegra Frank. Hello, Allegra. Hi. And I wanted to say (laughs) thank you to everyone at home for listening. We've had such a great response from everyone. Uh, Lovely reviews in iTunes and various other places. Um, Uh, Hey, hey, hey. It's called Apple Podcasts. Yeah, Russ. I'm sorry. Apple Podcasts. Get a computer. Um, uh, <laughs> if you have been enjoying the show and uh, feel up to it and wouldn't mind leaving us a rating or a review, please do so. It's a huge, tremendous, massive help, and it helps us continue the show. It makes Allegra very happy. Right, Allegra? So happy. You can hear in her voice <laughs> the enthusiasm. Uh, so we really, really appreciate that and all the support we've gotten. Um, with that out of the way... We have a oh, very, very goodness. <laughs> oh, that weight is off my shoulders. Finally, I can God. exhale. Uh, with that out of the way, we're going to talk about a little unknown game that came out for the N64 called Go- GoldenEye 007. You look so mm. excited. I'm so, I'm 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 excited. Um, I think this is the first time where I've been able to talk about something that I was like have like very strong memories of. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because like. I remember like a cold wind dark winter morning and and uh I was I was probably like t- 10 or so and uh-huh. I would be in the basement playing goldeneye and 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 shooting poor russian soldiers in the arm and then they'd like wave their arm and I'd be like yeah got them they'd wave their arm um, Thank I don't know. You, I, have, I have very strong GoldenEye <laughs> memories, and they generally aren't mostly about multiplayer. Although I did play multiplayer, mm-hmm. it's mostly mm-hmm. about the single player. But I know a lot of because you were alone mostly. Because I was a lonely, lonely <laughs> child. Oh, what a sweet boy! Did, did you guys play GoldenEye at all? Have you ever played Allegra? Obviously, uh, it's a little before your time. Honestly, I have never ever in my life played it. But I was in like a used game store a couple mm-hmm. years ago, like two or three years ago, and they had like N sixty four games. Sure. And I saw Goldeneye for ten bucks. Oh, that's not bad. And I bought it, but I still did. You have an N sixty four? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I still have never played it though. Oh, but I own it. Plant. I can't imagine going and playing it now. If you didn't before, I I love that game. I was obsessed with that game. Some games just don't hold up. That doesn't mean they're not important. But holy cow, like playing a shooter on a Nintendo 64 controller, we have to like aim <laughs> with the C buttons and also the right trigger. It's 
it is a messy, messy game. Um, I want to brag, but I may have been defending like I was. I'll just say I was <laughs> uh, the the neighborhood champion of Goldeneye. Uh, Out of how many people? It, how many children were involved? I mean, probably about like eight. So like okay. pretty big deal. Sure. Um, but it was also like <clears throat> looking back on it, kind of unfair because you played his odd job. Only, no, I didn't do that, and I let people play his odd job. <gasps> but we only played uh, complex sure. uh, with either remote mines or proximity mines, as you do, and that really is a, a mode that once you learn how to exploit it, nobody has a chance of beating you. Yeah, that's true. Mm. You, you kind of can get into a rhythm, and and let's just say, I was. I was really good, you know? King I was of the rhythm. Really, really you good. were in that rhythm. Chris Plant, rhythm, rhythm plant rhythm is what master. we call her. Uh, we're getting a little Jesus. bit ahead of ourselves, though, because I wanted to go back to the beginnings. Um, as we might know, uh, GoldenEye mm. was developed by a company called Rare. Uh, Rare is known for many, many games. Conqueror's Bad Fur Day is one of them, although this sure. is an E-rated uh, podcast. <laughs> Um, that is certainly not an E-rated game, uh, but they also made Donkey Kong Country, and that was their big, big success of the SNES era. And so they decided, okay, we've got this Bond license, we've secured the Bond license, we are going to make a Bond game, and their initial idea for this Bond game was to make it just like Donkey Kong Country, but with Bond. <laughs> uh, they mm. wanted to make a um, side-scrolling 2D james bond game so you would like play as james bond yeah but you'd roll around and eat bananas <laughs> pretty pretty authentic no it was essentially like there was that arcade game where you'd shoot uh aliens in the face the side scrolling well i don't know that doesn't really narrow it down but you were a spy and you'd start with the parachuting i don't remember the game oh okay. anyway it was supposed to be that but then but um the martin hollis who is uh the game director decided that he wanted to take advantage of a new piece of technology. Um, and that technology was known as the Ultra 64. Ooh! Now, people mm. who know their Nintendo history know that the Ultra 64 became the, the Nintendo 64, yeah. right? What if you were, like, not sure what that became? Like, Ultra 64? <laughs> I don't know. It's it hard could to be narrow anything. that down. Um, the cool thing about the Ultra 64 was specifically its name because later development in development Nintendo platforms included Dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> and what was the uh, the Switch called? I NX. The NX. Oh, the NX. The best one was Revolution. Revolution was very good for the GameCube, right? The Wii. Oh, the Wii. I'm sorry. Yes, GameCube is Dolphin. Mm -hmm. um, so they knew this uh, this platform was coming out, so they decided to build a team that would take advantage of this new incredible 3D generation that was on the cusp of happening. It wasn't just faceball anymore. 3D was going to be everywhere. Um, so they decided to make a 3D on-rails shooter inspired by Virtua Cop. Uh, but Chris Plant's a big Sega fan, so I'm sure he has a I am. Virtua fun... Cop is a masterpiece. Yes. Virtua Cop, for people who, who don't know, imagine Virtua Fighter back in the early days. So, like, characters made out of about 12 polygons altogether. And then you go around like a building that is just bare bones architecture. Maybe maybe Lots like of squares. Yeah, squares and, and and you shoot them in the face. The the aiming is not especially good. Uh 
it's also perfect because it was made by Sega. So <laughs> the aiming was not good, but it was also perfect. Listen, that's what you learn as a Sega fan. The game doesn't work. Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah, it's a mess. It's the best game ever made. <laughs> um, so they had this very ambitious plan. Again, early days of 3D. They wanted to do a shooter. They had never really done that before as a company. So in order to do that, they built a crack team of 10 people, eight of whom had never made a professional video game. <laughs> uh, it was a massively, massively inexperienced team. Oh, God. Um, they brought on some people that had made done some modeling work, um, some, uh, you know, a little bit of like hacky games that they've done on themselves. But, in, but as an actual professional product, 80% of the team had not, never made a professional game before. So this was their first time, and it sort of seemed like it was going to be a disaster from the outset. Um, they had a lot of access. They were able to visit the sets of the movie, GoldenEye. Great film, by the way. Really holds up. They were able to visit all the sets, but as they were starting to develop, it, they realized how long this project was going to take. The first year and a half, they didn't even have the specs of what, the N64 was going to be like. They oh, wow. Had, they had no idea. So there was a lot of X factors that they didn't really know how to fill. Uh, they basically just, as they were developing it uh, in that first year and a half, they just took a stab. They guessed at what it was going to play like and, and what the specs were going to be. And uh, what they came up with was essentially a hacked together piece of hardware controlled by a Sega Saturn controller. So that was all they had. Unfortunately, when they finally did find out what the specs were from Nintendo, it was about 75% less powerful than they thought they were going less? to have. Oh, no. Yeah, it was a big disaster. Um, uh, Carl Hilton was one of the designers. He spoke to a now gamer in actually a really good retrospective, which is no longer online, but you can read it on the Wayback Machine. Um, he basically said that uh, color textures cost a lot more in terms of processing power. And because they were trying to cut down all of the uh, high processing power stuff just to get it jammed onto the N64, they ended up making almost all of GoldenEye in grayscale and then using like a little bit of tweaks to like add some green for the jungle and stuff like that. But when you think back to GoldenEye, it is like a lot of blacks and whites and grays. Like all of the maps are like very simple and that's just because they were like super, super easy for them to actually get them working. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't really uh, end up great for the frame rate, which, again, I know you haven't played Allegra. Plant, you you remember. It it does not run great. No, but, like, that's, again, a thing of back then, nothing ran great. So Yeah, that's true. You, like, frame rate was so far from our minds, it was just like, oh, this is just how games feel. Games feel slow. Um, unfortunately, when you go back and you, like... It's like you tasted, um, like, true Coke Zero. I'm trying to play the Allegra here. And then <gasps> oh. you go back and you try, like, Diet Coke. And it's like, yeah. what? Why would I want this? I have the greatness already. It, I, I've never had either. But I, I just feel like I'm connecting with the youth right here. You are. I completely understand now. And I am Thank just you. as devastated. I'm glad we could uh, connect things for people. Um, the So, obviously, things are not working great. Um, they're also running to an issue with delays, specifically that they are risking the potential to come out with GoldenEye 007 the game after the next Bond movie comes out. Tomorrow Never Dies came out after uh, GoldenEye. 
1997. And at this point, because the game had been delayed about a year and a half, they were really getting close to the point where, like, the new Bond movie was going to come out, and then this game was going to happen that was, like, for a super old uh, uh, Bond movie that no one really remembers at that point. Uh, it was it was bad, but something saved them, and that thing was Super Mario sixty four. I guess it was just called Mario sixty four. Super, Super Mario sixty four. I think it was Ma- Super Mario sixty four. Yeah, it was called Super. To be clear, Mario. Super, Super Mario sixty four. Got it. Mm. Perfect. Um, you know, uh, before that game came out, obviously for me and a lot of other people, it was a kind of a revelation. Mario sixty four was like a big deal. And even for the GoldenEye developers, it was a big deal because they realized, oh, we can make... Hey, speaking of great frame rate, by the way, Chris Plant in Mario 64, just saying. But they saw this game and they were like... <laughs> Got him. <laughs> oh, we can make a 3D game that's like a little more involved than just like, wow, like a, like a gimmick of, um, wow, you can explore 3D environments. So it, after playing that, um, they started adding things like objectives and like AI that you would follow around... Um, oh, she's going to hack this thing while you, you know, defend her, uh, stuff like that to make the gameplay a little more involved and just like go from A to B while shooting everyone. Um, that really started them on this sort of, uh, prog- uh, you know, they were, they were making a lot of progress here with not only gameplay, but also just like getting the, uh, technology working in such a way that like, they were finding ways to cut down on the resource spend. So um, because they were so late, they started reusing a lot of the assets that they had already made because it meant, hey, we can just copy and paste, copy and paste. Um, The radar in multiplayer, um, there's like a little radar disc. And if you look at it, it actually looks kind of weird on one side, like a little bit blurry. And it's because they just used the texture of an oil drum for the radar, (laughs) which is kind of neat. Uh, they they did a lot of work to kind of just constantly reuse whatever assets they could, um, which is a very common tactic now in bad games. But I don't think GoldenEye got a lot of crap for it in in the past. Can can I ask a question about this period of time? Sure. And like you can confirm this. This is a rumor that I've always okay. heard. Yeah. That around this period of time, Shigeru Miyamoto, the creator oh. of Mario himself, yeah, saw the game. And they, they were, like, because they needed, they were like, we, we need to work hard to make sure that, like, we have some good games for Nintendo 64, not just Nintendo's games. And, and they were like, okay, what do you think of it? Like, we're really proud of it. And he was like, it's interesting, but you should take out all the guns. <laughs> I think that is true, right? Um, that is somewhat true. So uh, Martin Hollis, as I mentioned, the game director, um, did speak to Miyamoto about the game. Obviously, it was a big project for Nintendo. Um, and Miyamoto was very concerned about the violence specifically. Um, I have a quote here from uh, Martin Hollis, who um, uh, reported by The Guardian, who said, uh, speaking of Miyamoto, he suggested it might be nice if at the end of the game, you got to shake hands with all your enemies in the hospital. <laughs> so it turns out that no one died. You were just good, good friends with them. And you go, went and visited them in the hospital. 
So what people can't see right now is the producer of our show is borderline about to die in the production room. His entire body is convulsing, leaning back in his chair, and Pedro I'm genuinely worried about him. He's okay. He's okay. Poor producer Pedro. Oh my god, why would they shake hands? Because they were friends. Like, sorry we all shot each other, and you're in the... I'm fine. You're in the hospital, potentially, like disabled for the rest of your life yeah you do actually blow up um sean bean's character at the end of that (laughs) movie slash game but i like the fact that it was like no he found a way to come out of it (laughs) it's so sweet miyamoto has such a pure heart he really i i i kind of wish they did that to be honest uh they the way they got around the violence concerns um was that they ended up introducing all of the characters that you meet with like overly stylized like movie introductions to make it seem like oh this is not realistic this is clearly a movie um but the hospital idea i think is way way better um okay so they are reusing a bunch of assets um they are uh just trying to put together all of these different things that they've been inspired by mario 64 stuff like that um david doke one of the other designers uh, did mention at a certain point, they were really having a tough time. Uh, this is a quote, again, uh, him speaking to Now Gamer. He said, uh, you could hear the barrel being uh, scraped, collect five arbitrary pieces, but honestly, Mario had that kind of S as well, which is pretty boring. Um, so th- they basically went ahead and made sure that even if you were doing like a bunch of boring stuff, like run A to B, whatever, each level ended with blow this thing up. <laughs> and you do that, actually. You do blow a lot of things up at the end of levels for no particular reason. Um, so they were very smart about making sure that the uh, the mechanics worked uh, well enough to keep the pace up. I feel like every game should kind of just work like that. Like Miyamoto does not agree with you. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, you just kind of run toward some end goal, and then you just blow a bunch of stuff up at the very end. Yeah. What do you think, Plant? I don't know. <laughs> um, we we spoke briefly about um, some of the poor soldiers that you meet and shoot throughout the game. The game was actually really innovative for uh, AI. Specifically, the idea of a stealth shooter was like very much in its infancy. Um, this is before Thief, like right around the same time, but slightly before Thief came out. So um, stealth shooters were like really not a thing. Uh, it introduced the idea of alertness, where essentially if you fire like a cone of alertness happened around you when your enemies would spot you. Um, you could peek through windows and they wouldn't see you. So like a bunch of stealth stuff like that, which was, again, very innovative. But all of these innovations came at the cost of the fact that like they did not have a big team. So they were just kind of scrambling to put uh, mechanic, uh, different uh, elements into the game, one of which was motion capture. Uh, there's a lot of motion capture in GoldenEye. Wow. It's pretty advanced, <laughs> again, for its time. Uh, I think people remember, one of them that people remember is the guard with the shaking knees. If you, like, hold up a guard, he'll, like, shake his knees like he's scared, which is very sweet. Uh, That guard's name was Duncan Botwin, who worked at Rare, and he did every one of the uh, motion capture feats uh, in the game, specifically regarding the guards and their many deaths. Um, How he did that was kind of intense. Um, Graham Norgate, again, one of the game designers said of uh, Botwin, 
uh, they basically had to push him over in the motion motion capture studio to get realistic falls and deaths out of him, because uh, otherwise it would look like he was protecting himself. Uh, this is a quote from Graham. Um, they were. I, I'm sorry. I I, I want to hear the quote, but like, he gets shot in 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 the privates. Yeah, and it looks like that's it one. hurts really yeah. bad in the game. <laughs> sure. Did they? Kick him and okay. private. That's a valid question. Let's, <laughs> let's look at the quote from Graham. Uh, quote, there were many times when we'd get him to close his eyes and he didn't know when he was going to be pushed. He went through a lot for that, ga- that game. There was blood. <laughs> no. Yeah. So poor Duncan Botwin uh, really got put through the ringer. Um, Did he volunteer I, I for this? I mean, I would kind of, I would do it. You would? I don't know if I would do it knowing what I know now and all Mm. the brutality that was involved, but, like, you wouldn't want to, like, do motion capture for a game? That seems like it'd be fun. Not if I'm, like, getting punched in the nuts and there was blood. I don't have any indication that he was actually punched in the nuts, although it is a very convincing performance, (laughs) almost to the point where I think he deserves some sort of award for that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little over the top. It's like a little Jerry Lewis. At times, you just said like it was every super character realistic. is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you could add that sound effect to every death, and you'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, but don't you think, like, in that early, de- like, they did not have a lot of, like, facial detail. You needed, like, a very campy, you, you really had to sell it. Um, a pantomime, if you will. Yes, exactly. You had to, you had to really <laughs> go over the top. But all that technology of, like, shooting a guy in the foot and then, like, him uh-huh. reacting to that... That's like yeah. all super new stuff that Goldeneye totally broke new ground on, um, which is very, very cool. Um, so getting closer and closer, they have dumb ideas for the game's development, one of which was that in order to reload the gun, you had to pull the rumble pack out of the back of the gun and slam it back in. What? Which from like a tactile sense is kind of cool. Yeah. This isn't game that play. unusual too, because think about like every current VR shooter. Like, every VR game is like, and then you have to manually clean the gun every 15 (laughs) shots. And once you've cleaned it, you have to rebuild it. (laughs) Yeah, um, that idea was strictly vetoed. Uh, They definitely did not allow that. Uh, Nintendo did not allow that, mostly for gameplay implications. Like, can you imagine what multiplayer would have been like if everyone's just on the couch being like, where's the rumble? Scrambling to take out the rumble Yeah, it wouldn't have worked. wouldn't have worked. It would have been bad. Um... So uh, I did want to mention multiplayer. So obviously multiplayer is a very big part of GoldenEye. I think it's probably why it did so well, uh, why people remember it. Um, It was also a complete and total afterthought. Um, Steve Ellis uh, was uh, the guy who designed multiplayer. Essentially one guy of the 10-person team spent six weeks making multiplayer on his own, and that is the GoldenEye multiplayer. Just one dude. One dude. Wow. It was, they had no intention of ever including it, and he was like, you know what? I think I can do multiplayer. So he went in a back room and made this mode in six weeks, and it's now what we remember um, uh, GoldenEye for, which is just amazing. Um, yeah, Plant, you use the proximity mines? Yeah, proximity. Um, we used proximity. We used pistols, one-shot kill. was yeah. very popular. Yeah, I like pistols, one-shot kill. Yeah, that was good. And, um, and you've what- never played it, so you don't know. I'm just yeah. like cringing. Slappers. Did you ever use slappers? <laughs> we did slappers only, uh, but yeah. that, that was like, my least favorite. Yeah, yeah. Slappers only is not fun at all. 
Um, but that ended up being, um, again, why the game uh, did so tremendously well. Um, the game sold <laughs> 8 million copies and was the biggest N64 game in the U.S., um, sold more in the U.S. than Mario 64 or Ocarina <gasps> or Mario Kart. Wow. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> Ocarina? Ocarina. It's not Ocarina? I mean, whatever. Don't Isn't ever it Mario trust... Ocarina? Wait, you say <laughs> Ocarina. the O in Ocarina, Ocarina, but you say the O in Mario, Mario. I'm going to cut out all of this. <laughs> Don't ever listen to how Russ pronounces things. <laughs> no, I just things. love it. It's like the most, it makes, you're such a splendid man. <laughs> Ocarina of Time. Uh, Mario Kart. Uh, at, yeah, GoldenEye sold more than those in the U.S. Uh, worldwide, those games did beat GoldenEye, but it, so worldwide it was the number four game on the N64. But again, this like stupid movie movie license game that no one knew what they were doing um, ended up being this massive success and like a really like genre defining game that we still remember. So that was kind of crazy. Um, it was Can released. I, share, on, I, I have a crackpot theory. I want to okay. run this past you. Both sure. of you. Yeah. I think. Maybe the reason it became so big is like, well, one, like a shooter, people needed something else to play on Nintendo 64. There were not a ton of great options after you got past like the Nintendo games. Did people even want like, I don't know, were shooters, I guess on PC with Doom shooter, and stuff like that. Yeah, were, there like, hadn't been like a point. really good one. But on I, consoles, I there wasn't one, yeah. Yeah, I, I also think like the appeal of it, and this is something I think like modern shooters have lost almost entirely. Um, is it's like fun without being like too fun, like without being like goofy, without being a circus, but like you play it, there, there were all those Easter eggs. You could have big head mode. You could have paintball mode. When you shot people, they did perform like Jerry Lewis. It wasn't like, oh, I shot, I murdered. I just murdered like I mean, it was people. for Miyamoto, but for <laughs> yeah, everyone else, for sure. yeah, they thought it was campy. But, but it looked very campy. Yeah. There, there was like a silliness about it. You got the rewards after multiplayer matches that weren't based off of always skill. It was like quirky things that you did. You were yeah. most likely to use these things. There was just like a joy to that game that I miss so much when I play shooters that so often now are like, you did it. You are the most efficient murderer on planet Earth. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It was simpler yeah. times back then. Like, it makes me think of, like, PUBG, which is, like, also extremely silly, and it's just a bunch of people running around naked, and you get, like, a chicken dinner at the end. Like, that seems like a similarly, like, fun, kind of goofy uh, multiplayer game, mm. but otherwise, like, yeah, most of them are, like, super gritty and realistic, and it's a war. <laughs> or it's, like, uh, full cartoon, where it's, like, yeah. Fortnite, yeah. and it's, like... You're a crocodile. <laughs> hey, I like that. <laughs> Just goes a little bit too far. Um, I did want to mention the the game itself was released on a 96 megabyte cartridge um, mm. in 1997, which is kind of funny. Uh, that is two years after the movie came out. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and and um, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies would come out shortly thereafter, but they did manage to beat out Tomorrow Never Dies. Okay, was Rare, maybe you'll get to like how this was reviewed but was rare shocked that this game actually turned out at all uh they were they knew what they had like they knew it was going to be fun nintendo yeah. was shocked uh on two fronts nintendo knowing how long this was taking actually sent rare a letter that was like hey you guys should cancel this game at this point it's Whoa. really not looking good and the um 
Uh, I've got a quote here from Mark Betteridge, uh, who spoke to Edge Magazine, saying um, that he got this letter from Nintendo and just didn't give it to the, de- to the development team, knowing full well that it would like freak them the hell out. So he held on to it until they could finish the game, and then he showed it to them, <laughs> which was very nice. But yeah, so Nintendo was worried. Um, they did have a showing at E3 the year before, uh, or the, that year that it came out. So uh, the game came out in August. They showed an E3 a couple months before that, and the E3 showing was very good. Like, the response was very good from press, so they were more encouraged by that. But even then, like, at this point, you've got such an expensive development cycle. Um, Could they make that up? It was—there was a lot of doubt and worry about it. Um, And, yeah, but obviously it ended up being a massive success, 8 million copies, and uh, very, very uh, good for them. And, that, and that's how GoldenEye sort of came about. I, I have a bunch of fun facts, but did you guys have any questions about the actual development? Of- I have a question. Sure. Which is sort of tangential, but okay. I know that they like remade it. Yes. And that wasn't good. Yeah, people did not like GoldenEye Reloaded, yeah. which was developed by uh, Activision, and I think Raven, I want to say. Um, as sort of Plant has alluded to a little bit, the gameplay itself has not aged very well at all. Um, and people have a fondness for the brand, but you really would need to completely overall the gameplay to make it more modern, which they did in the, in the remake reloaded does feel very, very different, but at that point it still needs to be a good shooter and reloaded was not a good shooter. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately there was only so much. Also, I think people have fondness for like the multiplayer maps and plant mentioned facility and Aztec and a bunch of other ones. And but the second you put like actual geometry and things in those maps, and they're not just like square rooms, yeah, uh, you can't really recognize them. Like oh. they don't look like what you remember. And so it was they're just not too removed. For, yeah, there's like no verticality, and there, there, I mean there is kind of, but they're not meant for verticality because the aiming. Yeah, you couldn't aim up pretty flat. Really. <laughs> so so yeah, the game changes very quickly once you make it easy to actually aim up and down. Yeah. Um, okay, fun facts time. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned uh, that uh, Nintendo wanted to cancel the game. Uh, Nintendo did end up canceling a GoldenEye game for the Virtual Boy. What? They were, uh, there was a Virtual Boy in development a GoldenEye game that was uh, in its process, so much so that there are screenshots of the game that exist on the internet right now, but it was canceled. It was a uh, racing game. <laughs> Which mm. that is makes sense. just what everyone wanted. <laughs> was Rare making that too? Um, no, that was a different studio. It was um, uh, very red, as all the Virtual Boy mm-hmm. games were. And I don't know a whole lot more about it. The internet has sort of lost the thread apart from those <laughs> screenshots that exist. But yeah, it was canceled. It never came out. Mostly due to the Virtual Boy being a total disaster and not due to people not wanting a GoldenEye game. Um, this uh, fun fact doesn't really relate to the game itself, but I found out and was so pleased by it. So the movie, GoldenEye, had a theme song, which was written and performed by Bono and The Edge mm-hmm. uh, of U2 fame. Unfortunately, they were not the original people who wrote the theme song for that movie. The original people was a band called Ace of Bass. Do you oh, know Ace of Bass? Yeah. I saw no, the sign. I saw yeah. the sign and many, many other hits. Uh, Ace of Bass actually wrote uh, the theme song for GoldenEye that was eventually replaced. Um, But if you want to hear that theme song, Google uh, Ace of Bass, the song The Juvenile. 
because it's the exact same song. They just replace every mention of Goldeneye with the juvenile. <laughs> what does that oh mean? Gosh. Every time in the lyrics, Goldeneye appeared, they just snuck in the juvenile. The juvenile. Um, it's pretty good. And actually, the song itself sounds like a Bond song. You can listen to it on YouTube, and it, it really would have made sense. Um, and sadly, Ace of Base was never seen again. <laughs> um, the other thing I found... Um, the Daily Mail. We all know the Daily Mail Reputable for the news quality, quality news reporting. Uh, mm. Ran a story in 1999 about a two-year-old baby who played GoldenEye 007 for 10 hours a day. And the parents uh, thought that that was the best way to calm him. So much so that they wanted to get the portable version for holiday. <laughs> for their holiday. That's what they call vacation in England. Mm. Um, mm. That. Now, I should mention the Daily Mail makes stuff up, <laughs> uh, but there was a photo of a baby sitting in a chair in front of N64, <laughs> and that alone uh, made me want to include it. Uh, they even got a, um, a psychologist to comment saying that the baby should really only be playing the game for two hours a day. <laughs> like babies aren't even awake for like 10 hours you know what this baby found a way he just wanted to get all those secrets get that big head mode unlocked um yeah and that's and that's it for fun facts and and that's pretty much it for goldeneye can i I add one more thing my absolute favorite thing about goldeneye yeah it gave us the best meme ever and it's essentially been wiped off the internet which makes it even more precious so some backstory first with Goldeneye, there's a real thing you can do with the game. This would be a great thing for you to test, uh, Allegra. You put mm-hmm. the game in your Nintendo 64, you turn it on, you start to play the game, and then you flip the entire Nintendo 64 <laughs> with the game still in it, upside down. Yeah. And the characters, as if they themselves are being flipped, begin to spasm and contort and float. So their limbs are floating no and way, shooting in true. every direction. And this was figured out uh, by some people, some players of the game in Japan. And they loved it. And they created it as a meme where they would set it to the song called, uh, I believe, Get, Get Down. But it's Get Down. Yeah. Um, and they would jump in the air and freeze frame themselves moving. So it looked like it was a video of them doing exactly what happens in Goldeneye, where they like are floating in midair, like shooting their arms and legs in every direction. Um, and it was it was kind of like um remember that meme where it's like everything's normal and then like the bass drops and now everything's wacky. Yeah. Sure. I think Ajit Pai just did a version of it like twenty years yeah. too late. Um <laughs> but it's kind of like that, where like everybody's normal during the build up of the song, and then the chorus comes, and they and they like go into full get down. I don't. Um, th- there's no way the that, original Harlem Shake. That you really yeah, think that's yeah, like a you. recreatable yeah. thing with Goldeneye? What do you mean? Oh like, yeah. Why would it, why would that even happen? I, video games are weird. I mean, back when you were talking <laughs> about them not knowing how the hardware worked, like today, that's not a huge deal because most games are kind of like. PCs like most consoles have similar similar architecture to a PC. So sure. back then, like the Sega Saturn, you would pull graphics off of its sound card. Like you, <laughs> the reason you can't emulate Sega Saturn games is because like I don't know where are you gonna draw power from. I guess the sound card's not being used. Let's have all the graphics come off that thing. Like video games, yeah. uh, 
they they were so weird back in the day that like why that would happen i don't know i like the idea that does. like there was like a graphics card that was just floating around in the n64 <laughs> and if you flipped it around it would just like well we'll see what happens <laughs> this changes the entire physics of the game it um, does but yes the the meme is great you should look for it i good luck finding it because i think the copyright holder of that song went to town uh eventually and like is this house the of pain majority of it is it house of pain yeah didn't they sing get down Oh, no, they sang Jump Around. Never mind. What? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, I did want to mention, uh, I mentioned them briefly, um, uh, the great uh, Guardian article, which is reporting on a Martin Hollis uh, talk that he gave, and um, there's all, and the Now Gamer retrospective, which, again, can only really be found on with the Wayback Machine, but they basically brought together four of the ten uh, designers of GoldenEye for, like, a meet-and-greet reunion, uh, and there's, like, a lot of really fun uh factoids from that so so props to those two places um and and that's goldeneye um i i i kind of want to go back and play it even though i know how bad it's gonna be i can bring it in i think if if Mm. if there was a control the problem is the n64 controllers degrade so heavily to the point of not being able to use them if there was a controller that could like play it like i if it came out on switch i would buy it in a heartbeat and i know it would be bad but like and it can't actually why not oh because the rare. lights are yeah. yeah so that like well, that's, not rare yeah, that's the gold small piece of the story oh, rare is owned by microsoft mm-hmm. now yeah oh yeah yeah exactly. the, the golden eye license has like shifted james bond license has shifted between activision ea and i don't even know who the current owner is yeah it, yeah it, it's like it's sad yeah i think reggie himself tried i think oh wait wasn't that a thing i think there was a working version of it even for xbox and i think i think it, it largely boils down to like microsoft and nintendo getting along and i, I write your letters people happening. there's <laughs> only one way for this to happen write those letters mm-hmm. send them into reggie at seattle just mark like write reggie on an envelope stick it in a mailbox it'll get him it'll get him who else could have santa claus um anyway that uh this has been uh the history of fun where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do once again thank you so much to all the uh listeners and people that have uh enjoyed our stuff and written in and stuff like that uh obviously if you have any topic ideas you can write them in uh to our twitter account the history of fun on twitter um and um thank you again so much uh, and we'll see you next week